Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of In Depth with Beth and Seth, a podcast from Plymouth Congregational Church in which we take a deeper dive into the prior Sunday's sermon and message. My name is Beth Hoffman Faith, and I am the Minister for Congregational Care and Worship at Plymouth, and I am here with my wonderful colleague and friend, Seth Patterson. Oh, shucks. Hi. <laughs> Hi, everybody. My name is Seth. I'm the Minister for Spiritual Formation and Theater at Plymouth Church in Minneapolis. And yeah, we're going to talk about our third teammate, lead minister Dwayne Davis's sermon called What God Sees. And the scripture is 1 Samuel 16 verses 1 through 13. And so if you listened to last week's, Beth talked about how we are going to be sitting in Samuel for a little while and talking through the, the histories as part of the Hebrew Bible. And th- this was this was one of those important ones in the history. Pivotal, another pivotal moment. Pivotal, last that's week, a good word. Last week was a pivotal moment in terms of the beginning of the monarchy. And now we've skipped over the whole reign of King Saul and moved yeah. <laughs> swiftly into uh, the call of David to be the new king. And so if you're following along at home, Again, we're still in 1 Samuel. Now we're up to chapter 16. And the saga of David begins. When this one, this is, you know, this is kind of a nail biter, edge of your seat kind of story. Could read kind of like a soap opera, I have to say, David. David, (laughs) indeed. And and there is a soap opera. I think I mentioned this last time. There is a a telenovela that my mother-in-law watches that is about David and is very dramatic. And there's lots of long glances and serious looks with dramatic music. And then it cuts to commercial for, <laughs> for a Kia. And, and then it comes back and it's, it's super dramatic. The saga of David. Yeah. Well, so we have a little foreshadowing there today is not so much about David as it is about the process to uh, have David become king. And I think we need to acknowledge too, that this is the first Sunday that people gathered in person to listen to Duane preach. And although we started our outdoor service last week, I was the preacher. And so this was sort of a historic moment. I would say. Yeah. Duane got to speak in front of humans and humans got to listen to him preach at Plymouth. As you and I have both known from sitting in an empty sanctuary with him, the energy and what he puts out in reality cannot be translated through a digital format. You you get a hint of it, but the reality of it is he has such amazing presence. Right. So I think people were especially pleased uh, to be with us on Sunday morning. And Dwayne begins this sermon by acknowledging that this is the month of pride. We are in the season of pride and how significant uh, it is that we take a moment to acknowledge the gifts and the offerings and the wonderfulness of our LGBTQ plus siblings. And I think it is important because pride has been significant to Plymouth. Yeah. In, in the past, I believe pride has been a, a significant moment in, in the church's life. In the last couple of years, it has uh, waned a little bit. I don't think out of any change of commitment, but rather just a change in, in who is organizing and how it gets done, plus a pandemic. But I have a piece of potential trivia for you, Beth. Okay. Why 
is the Twin Cities Pride located in Loring Park, as opposed to downtown, like a lot of other parades? I don't know, Seth. Why? It is possible, although I I have not yet been able to substantiate it, but it seems very likely that it's because the first Pride Parade in the Twin Cities started on Plymouth Steps. Hmm. And we are just down the street from Loring Park, and so it would have been an easy march from Plymouth to Loring Park. So what I can't substantiate is that this actually happened, although many people have told me that it has. But in the 60s, there was a coffee shop in the room that we now call One Grovely, and it was a lesbian coffee shop. And the church kept it safe and helped it, and it was focused on being a safe place for lesbians. After Stonewall in New York and Pride Parade started, most of them started on a gender divide. There was a lesbian Pride Parade and a gay Pride Parade before that they then merged into what we now know as Pride. The first one, as far as I can tell in the Twin Cities, was lesbian Pride. And so it would make sense that coming out of that gathering space of the one Groveland coffee shop that they started at Plymouth. I did not know that. I talked to one minister who who was at Plymouth at that time, and that was his recollection. But he said, I can't tell you for certain because I wasn't there, but that's what I remember. Well, we'll need to ask Mary Welfling, our amazing archivist. I have. Oh. And she has not been able to find anything written. And But part of it could be that, one, it wasn't officially sanctioned. It wasn't the church doing it. Mm -hmm. It was the coffee shop doing it. And we held a bit of uh, some confidence in how the coffee shop operated with our official sort of correspondence. So it may be that it was never written down for the church. Well, and and it was most likely dangerous for the people involved. I mean, to put themselves out there in terms of, you know, we struggle today with public welcoming and inclusion, but 50 plus years ago, I imagine that the women who gathered in the coffee shop and marched to Loring Park knew that they were potentially placing themselves in harm's way. So, so brave. brave. Indeed. And so I appreciated that Duane you know, lifted this up because we haven't spoken about pride yet. And in the past, Plymouth has usually adopted the last Sunday of June as sort of pride Sunday. I'll look forward to the fact that Duane is preaching again on the 27th, and perhaps that will be a focus uh, for his message, but he used it as a lead in to kind of his his thesis and that so many people make assumptions and judgment and based completely on what they see in terms of same gender coupling, rainbow flags, body positivity. Duane lifts all these things up that we very often harshly judge. And in that opening paragraph, he invites us to see not only our LGBTQ community but everyone the way God might gaze upon us. And I don't think it's any surprise to, to people listening, but this is important because it is often from church pulpits that an opposite message is is spoken and loudly and vociferously. That I don't know if I use that word correctly. I hope I did. That is usually from where he was standing that there is a condemnation. And instead he was um, pushing against that and trying to create another ethic. Mm-hmm. Um, of love and inclusion. And, and that's just so important to happen from pulpits. Absolutely. So what did you think about Duane's message, Seth? 
as always, I am compelled by, by when I listen to Dwayne and, and getting to hear it twice now and then reading it subsequently. Uh, it is an important message to, to remember. And, and it goes, I mean, some of this is so, so simple that it, you, you think, do we still need to say this? I thought we were all taught, don't judge a book by its cover. I thought that was just part of being a human being. That's what that like the simplest piece, but we still need to be reminded of it constantly. And to put it into a theological framework gives it hopefully some import and some fire Mm -hmm. that this is not something that we can just, well, maybe I'll choose to look at the surface or maybe I'll look deeper. No, we are called. It is demanded upon us to look beyond the surface. And to try to understand what God sees. And I use that word in in a way that I think has a broader meaning because I I know for me, I get a little uncomfortable when we make God too human. And so if we're going to equate God's sight as if God has Mm -hmm. two eyes and, you know, 2020 vision or whatever, there's something about that that makes me uncomfortable. But I understand that you know, the welcome that we receive from God, the unconditional love we receive from this divine being, the way God knows more about us than we humans take time to know about one another is significant. We use the words that we can understand. And I agree with you that the idea of God seeing is is outside of my theological conception, but knowing, and, and sometimes we have to use the words we understand in order to, to get there. And so- And in this- you know, in the book of First Samuel, God is a participant in conversation. God, yeah. I mean, God is portrayed as a being that operates much like humankind. So, so I understand it. And again, just for a refresher, this scripture is about the choosing of David to be king and how that he's an unlikely candidate, that Jesse has a whole lot of sons and his oldest, you know, as Dwayne points out, appears to be the appropriate choice for the next king. Because Well, and in, in that culture, the oldest is always the appropriate choice, whether they are or aren't. Right, right. And so as each son is sort of rejected, it finally comes to, down to David, who looks differently from the others, who acts differently. Much Wasn't more. even included in the first like lineup. Right, <laughs> right. Kind of reminds me of like the Cinderella story when, you know, when she's hidden away in, in mm-hmm. the room and they come to see if the slipper fits and everyone forgets that Cinderella even exists until she's, you know, she's the one, of course, whose slipper it is. Oh, that's a, <laughs> <I hadn't> thought about <laughs> that, that analogy. <laughs> David and Cinderella, same thing. Well, you same know, it, there could be a novella made about Cinderella, too, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure there are. <laughs> I'm sure there are. And my, one of my favorite stories from Cinderella is where she knocks down the giant with her slingshot. There's perfect synchronicity between these two stories. <laughs> no, but point point made. Um, I think something that you said before we started recording is significant to me because you were talking a little bit about how if we are to accept the way that God sees us, if we're really to live into that, that God sees us differently than our human companions see us, then we might also need to respond differently. And we have a choice about whether or not we're going to to step up, uh, answer the call, be commissioned. I was struck by what felt like a, an, a fascinating turn at the end of the sermon, where for most of the sermon, Duane is 
seemingly, it felt to me talking about how we need to look at other people, how we need to see beyond the surface of other people in our world, in our midst. And I think that is a good conversation to have. There's also something easy about it because it's like, you're sort of then a passive, you're, you have active, but it's all in your head. It's all what mm. you do. And you can justify that and you can make your reasons. But then all of a sudden at the end, his last three very short sentences, you are the one rise and be anointed. You are the one. So all of a sudden he turns it back on, on me. And, and I'm reminded that, oh, people might see beyond my outside and look into my heart and see that <laughs> I am called to do something. Then I have to choose whether I'll say yes or not. And all of a sudden at the end, I'm like, oh, I'm part of this in a way that I wasn't expecting. And what do I do? What if I don't want to accept? What if David was like, no, I'm good. <laughs> I'm going to, I really like these sheep. And this sounds like a great life. I don't want to be king. Then what? Well, I watched as he said those things at the end of the first service when we were outside. I watched people's faces receive that word. And oh. I, I believe that, you know, so often we need to be reminded that we are beloved that we are accepted, that we are loved. And when he said that, you could see people's sort of countenance changing as mm. they receive that word and that commissioning that, wow, we, we are valuable to God, which makes us then valuable to community. And it is time for us to rise up and be anointed. It was a powerful moment in a significant way to end the sermon, I think. I found it to be so. And, and i personally get excited and I've, you and I've talked about this mm -hmm. when there's an unexpected turn because it kind of makes me sit up and I felt myself sit up at the end and it's like whoa mm -hmm. yeah right. right and to remember that in our calling and in each one of us is called I, I believe firmly that we have all been given a divine purpose absolutely and, and most of us spend our lives living into that purpose that isn't stagnant it changes and it it shifts as as God changes and shifts. And so do we, but many people wrestle with saying yes or responding. It reminds me of a quote that I, I, I can't attribute correctly. It is often attributed to Nelson Mandela, but I also feel like I heard that it, that was false or is attributed to somebody else, but it's supposed to be him anyway. And I can't quote it. This is terrible what I'm doing, but it is something like we are not so much afraid of what we can't do. We are not so much afraid of our failures, but we're afraid of what we actually are capable of mm. and are called to do. I'm using my words, but something like that. And I, I think that's true. That's true. And the good news is that it, it's not a one-time offer. <laughs> when, it, when a calling is laid upon us and when we're be really beginning to ponder that we need to, to follow and do something differently with our life, because there's just this nudge and you know, it doesn't, the offer doesn't expire. It may take us a while to be brave enough or bold enough to step into that, but there's always time for which I'm grateful. My guess is if David had said, no, no, thanks. Going back to the sheep, <laughs> mm, God would have had something to say about that. And the, the prodding and the prompting and the inviting would have continued. Well, there's a lot of, there's a, call narrative for all prophets in the Hebrew Bible, starting mm -hmm. with Moses. And then all of them have a similar thing. And it's not always explicit, but you can read into it where essentially God says you, and the person says, no, thank mm -mm. you. <laughs> <laughs> and then God says, 
yeah, you, and I'm going to show you a sign of some sort that will show you how serious I am. And then the person says, oh man, okay, fine. So had David said, no, God would have said, yeah, here's a sign. You have no choice. Yes, indeed. Well, on that, I hope all who listening feel that the stirring in them of God, calling them to do what they are called to do in this world. And you answer it and you know that you are seen beyond the outside and your heart is seen. Your heart is known. Because you are the one. Rise and be anointed. You You are are the the one. one. Thanks all. Be well, friends.